0: Welcome to the Grow Your Business Podcast. Listen in as we discuss all things business, growth, and marketing with business owners, thought leaders, and entrepreneurs. And now, here's your host, founder of Roundhouse, the creative agency, Saul Edmonds. Oh, hi, everyone. Welcome to the Grow Your Business Podcast. Today, I'm speaking with Dan Englider from Sales Schema around the topic, the evolution of sales and lead generation. Dan, how are you going? I'm well, I'm well. Thanks for having me on, sir. My pleasure. So um, for everybody listening, the little bit I always do at the start is just to get, um, get everyone across, you know, who you are, what you do, a little bit of history perhaps. Um, so just a bit of a snapshot around um, what you as sales schema do and where you come from, sure. maybe even a bit of history.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So again, I'm Dan Englander, um, and I'm CEO and founder of Sales Schema. And basically, we're a fractional, which is a fancy way of saying outsource sales team uh, exclusively for ad agencies, marketing agencies, and related marketing service companies like web design development. So basically, in a nutshell, what we're doing is getting leads and setting appointments in a targeted way. Um, To keep the pipelines full for our clients so they can spend, you know, 99% of their time um, getting on sales calls and doing the high level stuff and building proposals as opposed to, you know, just getting agreement to a meeting. And it's kind of a weird little, little niche to fall into. So, you know, my background originally was I moved to New York. Uh, after college, waited tables and stuff. And when you don't know what you want to do in New York, you somehow kind of magically find yourself working for an ad agency. <laughs> you can <don't laughs> make other plans. So that's kind of what happened to me is I was working in accounts for, for an agency and was, we were do, doing social media. So like literally monitoring a Facebook wall when people's headphones would break or whoever the client was, you know, because some of some bigger consumer accounts um, moved on from there to I think a role that a lot of agency owners and a lot of agency execs find themselves in, which is kind of that split sales client service role where you're kind of running back and forth, between making clients happy and then trying to win more business and so on. So I I learned a lot from that role and I was basically the first hire at a animation studio called Idea Rocket in in New York. Um, Helped helped them grow, you know, at the end we kind of went from a low six to, you know, kind of a mid seven figure realm. Um, Won a bunch of Fortune 500 clients from that. Learned a whole lot about selling, you know, complex marketing services, selling stuff that's creative that doesn't have a dollar ROI tied to it all the time. Um, and then kind of went off on my own for a while. I ended up traveling Asia. I self published a couple of business books on account management and sales and then basically landed on lead generation because it was it was something that I felt like was a big, big need and was missing in the agency space. Um, and something that a lot of, of the, the initial clients that I took on needed help with. Um, and also it was something that I knew about that could actually scale past my time, you know, of just giving people fancy strategies and ideas they could, they could mm-hmm. run with hypothetically if they had time. So, so that's, that's kind of uh the, the, in a nutshell origin story there. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Actually, that's an interesting point. That last little um, point that you made about the, um, the um, you know, fancy ideas is I suppose that's a big one that's very common across well you know ever since I can I can really think of <clears throat> you know with having a strategy of any sort is only only really as good as how well it's executed I suppose but instead of saying that too I, I would I'd be really interested to hear hear your thoughts and I guess how sales schema then works in terms of if you're saying to somebody, we've got a strategy for you, like how does that um, um, from that kind of idea roll out? Because traditionally, you know, in many instances, like you sort of said, there's, you know, and it's, I suppose it's still quite common, like where people have a strategy, they either give it to the client or then they say, they paid for a strategy, then they say, well, now you have to pay for the implementation of it that 's a bit of a hard sell always really isn 't it like when you know that's that 's a hard thing for people to swallow because even if even if people know and they generally do that a strategy is just that it 's a strategy it's not it 's not other things there 's a funny i don 't know i don 't know what you think about this, but there always seems to be this funny thing where they there 's an implied thing about some work being done sort <laughs> of already. Even though that's obviously not the case.
1: Yeah, exactly. And that's, that's basically, you know, why pretty early on, you know, when we started the business, we pivoted to, you know, a done for you model as opposed to just an informational model. Right. And and I'd say that in terms of how we position ourselves, and I think this, this also applies to our clients in a lot of ways. Um, it's more about filling in, you know, a knowledge gap, but but also equally as much, if not more so, uh, a labor gap, right? Where it's sort of like, you know, do what we do in in house, maybe, maybe not right away. You might have to learn a lot, you know. You could probably eventually do it, but it's going to cost a lot more. It's going to move a lot slower. It's going to be less efficient, and less effective than if you let us run with it. And I think that that is, you know. I think that even before ants, when they position themselves like that, it becomes a little bit more powerful than just saying, I have the secret sauce. You know, I have this special thing, um, which is sometimes true. And, you know, it is true to some extent for what we, what we do. But I think that as, you know, on a macro scale, as information becomes more accessible and more, more cheap and so on, um, there's going to be less and less of that sort of pitch that's, that's actually available.
0: Yeah, that's right. Because people want results, right?
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. At the end of the Mm -hmm. day, like that's
0: what everyone wants. Is is that everyone just wants to, uh, despite like how how um, how compelling you know a pitch is, or or how you know nice a person is to work with. At the end of the day, there always comes a point where you know they actually you know have obviously paid for a service in order to receive something, and you know in the in the marketing world, you know, especially then, well, if, if you're a, I mean, like you were saying, like you work with marketing agencies, advertising, digital agencies, and they're all you know, kind of sometimes intertwined, sometimes very different sort of things. Who, who do you, who do you generally work with um, more? Is there one group out of those three that you tend to work with more than others?
1: Yeah, it's it. There is there isn't really been um, one group of the agency space that's that's risen above the others. I think the ones that, if any, the ones that tend to need more help that don't have, um, you know, uh, a very like ROI centric offer, or, or or a lot of the times we're working with an agency, it's not really defined so much by like a consistent service that we keep seeing again over and over again, but more about the situation. I'd say, and usually it's a situation where. The agency has been around for at least a few years and they've built themselves up on referrals and personal networks, usually, you know, the networks of the ownership or the leadership, and they get to a place where that's just not enough anymore, you know, and and they have to get to the next level. And then I think at that point is when we see lots of hand wringing, uh, either between, you know, a company like ours, obviously, or they're thinking about hires. Do we hire somebody? Um, do we do any of the million, you know, buffet options for sales and marketing out there or whatever? And then that's usually the situation where we can, we can come in and help and can get more into that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it's kind of, um, interesting when you talk about like, that's, um, some of that rings very true for me too, because I mean, like a lot of, um, because we I'm, um, you know, one of your, I guess, um, sort of clients, like we're not a client, but where that sort of. Sort of agency. Well, we're a little bit different in that we're a a creative agency that does a lot of digital work. But yeah, I I certainly know, like me and probably a lot of um, people in our industry here too that I know that that idea of building up a business from a personal network and word of mouth has been huge. Like that's a really big part of of you know even to this day that's still really important. And I always, I don't know, I've just got this general sort of idea that um, whilst, you know, we, I guess, do similar things and and provide strategies and things for people too, I do, that's generally why, uh, one of the reasons why we don't do that sort of work that you do or we're not a marketing agency because one, we feel that there's a lot of other people out there that do it. A lot better and we work with those sort of agencies too but the thing that i always i guess you know it's, it crops up in my mind and i know it's conversations with other people too in our industry is those things that you obviously provide services for those pain points about um you know your agency reaches a certain size you don't it's either like do you employ somebody else to Come in to handle things because you think it's better to do it in house because you've had bad experiences in the past, or because you don't know, or um, so where I mean, I say if um, hypothetically, just give you like a hypothetical scenario: um, someone like me or a marketing agency comes to you and says, "Oh, look, I'm uh, I don't know. I feel like it's going to be better to." Um, have somebody in house that I can trust? Like, what is it about what you do that's going to convince me to, you know, to kind of use your services when they don't? I mean, I know you, like, what do you say to them?
1: Yeah, you know, I think it's not unlike the value proposition of of a lot of our clients. And in a nutshell, it's it's better, faster, cheaper, right? So, our clients, you know, could absolutely do what we do in house, but they they don't. They rarely, if ever, do. Mm. And I think some of that's a knowledge gap, but it's also just the the resources that that go into it. Um, and I think that a lot of it, and this this is, I think, again, a value prop that a lot of our clients can provide for their respective services and markets. But it's the idea that things can be better done in a fractional team way, especially now, just with. Mm. The economies of technology and, and being able to get different skill sets in different places and being able to sort of divide up the work between different skill sets, you know, across a, across a team um, can really mean things moving in a better, faster, cheaper way. So, you know, if our clients are building stuff in-house, that means they're, they're hiring people, they're training people, they're providing all the raw materials. Like if you're building a house, they're, they're providing the hammers, the nails, the paint, um and so on and so forth from there. And then honestly probably getting it wrong and doing a lot of trial and error for another six or twelve months. So that's one thing. The other element is that we only work with agencies, we only work with market service companies. So that means if there's a trend developing we get to see it as it's happening and we can change up strategies optimize and so on mm. the other thing is that marketing leaders are sold to more than anybody else in the c suite they're more skeptical they're harder to convince um and we're pretty good at reaching them you know compared to lots of people so that's that's usually how we we get over that
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah sure no it was yeah it's interesting because i you no know, i guess like the uh the great big world of of what we do generally is pretty big like it's a big it's a big space and there's a lot of people that you know talk a lot about you know what we're talking about in in terms of like lead generation it's it's just is absolutely flooded like there's so many different you know well i wouldn't say conflicting views because a lot of them are you know talking about similar things but it's it's interesting because it comes back to that point ultimately of um of like really understanding which you do certainly seem to like coming from working in an environment where you were you know a part of that you've got like an in-depth kind of understanding of it and then i suppose like correct me if i'm wrong here then going you know i think like i'm pretty good at this and i can i'm i'm uh you here dan you know you going Hey, I'm pretty good at this. Like in <laughs> doing it, you have a realization about about like, you know, what's actually happening inside that business. And you see it from, you know, a a completely different perspective than someone from the outside, or maybe even somebody who's even sort of running the business because they're looking at, you know, at sort of high level things and, you know, all sorts of other focuses.
1: Right, and I I think that's always going to be you know uh, a a benefit of of being on the outside. There's also there's also cons, you know, for being on having to learn and Mm -hmm. and just like within the agency. But I think the back to the term, you know, lead generation. I've uh, gone back and forth on using the term lead generation and. I've had a love-hate relationship with it because I think that it's what people think of so in some ways we have to slot into it because we are getting leads you know we're, we're also we're going further we're typically getting meetings um, but the problem is there's a lot of people out there selling lead generation services that are kind of making it seem as if um, there's going to be this like this magical funnel that works for everybody and all it takes is just you know turning a switch and then out comes the the new Uh, And that can happen when you get things right, but things always need optimization. Um, And I think on the other side of it, there's a lot of overcomplication and there's a lot of um, just going way too far and building these these systems that are completely overwrought for what you're trying to do because all you're really trying to do in this process is de-risk a conversation right between yourself and somebody that you can potentially do business with. Um, And that really comes down to, you know, many different things you can do, but a lot of the times it doesn't mean that you have to be everywhere. It doesn't mean you have to create a million case studies. It doesn't necessarily mean that you have to have a million different channels, you know, just means that you need to lower the barrier of somebody being willing to talk to you. And it means you have to do that over and over again, basically, (laughs) um, so that you have enough coming into the pipeline that you have enough long term benefit to you know, and enough likelihood of, of closing major deals. Um, so that's, that's in a nutshell, you know, our approach to it.
0: Yeah. That that's, it's an interesting point because like the our topic of the podcast is the evolution of like sales and, um, lead generation. And in one respect, I wonder, you know, if, if somebody seeing that title would go, wow, does that mean, does that mean there's like some new technology that's um <laughs> that's and and we'll get on to like i suppose some of that too but i just realized perhaps also some of the evolution of it is also to do with kind of how we use those tools as well because you've got the um you know the advent however long ago of like automation and then you know people using that in like a in a huge way and you talking about things being overcomplicated, like that's, I you know, sort of see it time and time again, even with my own sort of, you know, use of it, it can be very complicated and kind of almost do the opposite. So I wonder then if some of the evolution of it now is realizing the better use of some of those tools and actually just getting back to, you know, more, simple approach. I mean, two things. What do you think?
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I agree. I agree with all that. And I, I almost think of it as, as almost like a Maslow's hierarchy or something where people want to start with the tools when the tools are like the top of the pyramid, you know, when they should be thinking about who, who are we contacting? Like who are we actually, who is a good client for us? Most agencies, even agencies that have been around for a long time can answer that question. Because all of the businesses come in sporadically through referral. I had to figure out who's actually, where can we solve a need in the market? Where can we be useful? So that's the bottom of the pyramid. And then from there, it's, okay, Who who's handling sales? Who has the time to actually get on the initial calls? What happens after that first call? What, what do we want people to do? And then from there, then you're getting into the lists and the tools and all the you know, all, all, all the stuff. But the problem is people start with that, the, the top of the pyramid. So I think that that's, that's a big thing. And then, yeah, the technology does matter. There are, there are, it has its place. Um, it's, but it's changing all the time, you know, within a year period, we might switch between four different tech platforms, you know, uh, and granted we have different needs in our clients and, and so on sometimes, but, um, that's, that's, I think a later, a later concern basically. Yep. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think that, idea of time too is like certainly a big one that is completely overlooked just the time that you simply have to one to do things to um have an individual person you know assigned to a certain task like it's a problem in i suppose general life too or 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 in any sort of service or you know almost all industries is to actually to go i want to do a and in order to do that I have to get B, C, D, E, you know, to do these particular tasks. But if you don't do that and you kind of go, like you were saying, to the top of the tree with these the tools and you're looking at the tools, uh, the tools, you know, don't uh, relate to any of that really. You know, all, yeah. all they do is and, – and, yeah, and they're great. I mean, like a lot of the tools are uh, amazing. But, you know, when you dive into, into technology, the, it, there is – I feel that it sort of gets back to the idea of things evolving. I sort of have this general feeling about technology these days in all senses that people are going to come a little bit full circle and after being swamped by you know, automation tools, use of technology, mobile, what have you, people are coming back to a different realisation around how they can be used better. I think perhaps for, for their time.
1: Yeah, I, I hope so. I, I think that they're always, they're always going to be attractive, you know, it's, it's always going to yeah. be a a fun thing always. when you can play around with them, um, upgrade them. And I had this thought today that we like to pretend that it's like really rational to be upgrading your tech all the time. But I think it's pretty, <laughs> it's pretty much like being a kid, right? Where you're just like, yeah, these shoes, these sneakers still work, but there's new ones over there. They're they're, they're flashy and they have lights yeah, on them. Yeah, it's you know? not logical. Think, really. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, exactly. And I, I have that thought at least once a week and I know it's not rational. I'm like, hey, are, the tech stack works pretty well. Yeah, I had this one little issue here, one little issue there, but the cost of switching is going to be massive and then I'll probably have a whole other set of issues. But still, I'll have the thought like, well, look, look well, that's a cool gadget. That's a cool piece of software. What if we use that, you know? So it's 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 but in my head I think it's just like when I was a kid with the sneakers, you know.
0: <laughs> oh, pretty much. Yeah. I mean I still do the same thing. Like I, I use, you know, like uh, heaps of agencies who use project I mean management software to manage projects and things. And I've been using like one for years and fairly regularly, like every probably every few months, I'll go and, and look at like some other project management software still and look through their features, even though I've already looked through them and I've already generally know, I'll still look through them and go, Hmm, maybe there's something better. And I always return to the fact that like, why am I doing this? I did this like a few months ago, I did the same thing. I'm having like a flashback and then yeah. <laughs> yeah, the same, but it's that same. It's like, what if, what if there's something that's going to be make like, make it more optimal <laughs> That's sort of why.
1: Yeah, and and you know, I, I want to kind of give the devil his due because I I do think there can be an element of like you know function following form, and sometimes yeah. these software companies do have a philosophy for how things should be operated. I I just don't know if it's uh you know if it should be as big a, as a, of a priority as, or as a starting place you know as much as people make it out to be. So, but but yeah, I mean they they do have their place, I guess at some point.
0: Yeah that's right. So when uh so when you're working with people too uh, and um like is is a part of what you end up talking to people about um about who's going to be assigned then to these tasks like you go here's this strategy this is what we're presenting to you this is what you know xyz now um you know who Who in the organization, like the particular roles that people actually take up to do these things?
1: Yeah, it's a good question. And I think it's a much better starting place than than obviously the, the software and stuff. So so basically, you know, what we do in, in our team, and I think even if people never hire us, they can hopefully kind of cobble this together internally. Um, and even if they don't have a big team, even if you can't say, here's the dedicated sales role, at least you can start to think about it. Okay, this block of time I'm devoting to this task, and it's not going to get interrupted by clients or anything else, and so on and so forth. Um, and, in in our experience, those are basically, you know, a few different roles. So the first is, you know, the new business role. So the person who's getting on the call, who's closing business, who's building the relationship and so on. That's pretty much an in-house role, no matter how you cut it. That's because we're dealing with complex marketing services. If we were selling, I don't know, barrels of oil, maybe you could outsource that, but (laughs) it's going to be a relationship based sale. So that's, that's always our client. That's either, you know, sometimes an owner, sometimes a a new business person in that seat. Um, the, The things that I think are external of that, that we, that we're filling are typically an account manager that in our particular situation. Is also doubling as an appointment center or kind of like a BDR in the States. We call I don't know if you have that in, in, in Oz, but a uh, business development rep. So it's a junior level sales role. And that's somebody that's taking people that might be on the fence, that might have questions and objections, and essentially teeing them up for the more senior person. Yeah. Um, in addition to that role, the second role that we're filling is is strategy. Um, Basically, figuring out okay, we're contacting these markets. So, what's going to get in? What's going to be effective copy? What are personal commonalities we can use between the new business person and them? Um, You know, what's going on in those markets now? What are the pain points? So, the sort of higher level stuff on the back end, data purveyor builders, all sorts of people that are, you know, filling the the data up. Basically, so I think that if you're building, you know, if you're doing those those roles in house, even if you don't have them all filled as an owner, you kind of want to want to divide your time up into those blocks. So you might have, you know, a certain amount of time where you're like, I'm going to think um, about high level strategy, maybe that's your morning time. And you're thinking about copy and who you're contacting have, kind of lower level hustle time. Okay, I got to follow up with this person. I'm going to set aside this block of time, follow up, see what's going on with this person that said they wanted to talk in a week or they had a big shareholder meeting or whatever. Um, and that's a little bit lower, you know, lower cognitive energy, but still really important. And then you have um, you know, various delegation and operational time. That might be where you're delegating list building tasks or buying, you know, dealing with the making the the software work or whatever. So that's that's kind of how we think about it
0: yeah yeah sure I mean that points to all all that sort of stuff you were talking about points to I guess kind of uh, perhaps a bigger issue that a lot of people have which is almost kind of from what you're saying almost seems to be at the heart of um, perhaps things like how well things are going to work or not work which is then just time management um, because then sort of saying saying that I mean that that's a hundred percent that makes a hundred percent you know sense of course like that's the most logical sensible very pragmatic you know great thing to do but then how to how to one i guess either train yourself or you guys to help other people then manage their time is that something that you do or do you just go you know that's that's uh, the responsibility of other people or is that like something that you go like here's some here's some strategies to help you to manage your time if that's been an issue for you.
1: Yeah. Good, good question. So we're pretty much on, on a, you know, the done for you model where we're actually filling in most of those seats. The only one we're not filling is the the new business role and the other jargon as account executive and in the, the enterprise tech world the agency space it doesn't matter what you call it the person closed the closer um, so we're not feeling that and you know that's an expectation we set, we said pretty early that hey you know if you're if you're if we're going to work together you need to be setting aside at least a couple hours a day on on sales on you know Following up with the people with whom you already have a relationship doing the stuff that only you can do or Somebody in your organization can do and I think that to back up on that a little um, one thing that we often see people thinking about that I think rarely works is Trying to get yourself out of the sales seat too early, right? So if you're an owner, Um, and you're like, I've gotten all this stuff on referrals and it's worked really well and I'm, but I'm tired of sales. I don't want to sell anymore. Let me go hire a veteran to come in and I'll send them, I'll get them a portfolio. I'll tell them about our market and our services and they'll go out and kill it. That rarely works. And that's because there's, it's sort of like hiring a driver before you have the car. Um, so our our whole philosophy is whether you hire us or build it in house or whatever, um, build the car first, which are those lower roles, the people that are essentially teeing up meetings and being the foundation supporting the higher Mm. level role. Uh, so that's, that's what we recommend doing first. And then beyond that, you know, the time management and stuff. Um, and we do, we have started to do a little bit of done with you stuff. Like we have a course that's in beta. We might do other things in the future and that's for agencies that might not be ready to take us on yet or, or whatever. But in that course, what we talk about is, even if, if you're, if you're, you know, swamped and you're dealing with clients that you can at least kind of divide your time up uh, accordingly. And one framework that I really like, uh, I didn't invent this, uh, I forget where I heard it is the idea of, you know, maker and manager time. So basically maker time is really cognitively demanding creative work. So for, from a sales perspective, that would mean copywriting um working on proposals kind of thinking about you know uh, later stage prospects people that are are have are well qualified um and then management time might mean you know basically following up with people doing the kind of less less demanding stuff uh, managing list building and ops and that sort of thing yeah
0: and, and really time consuming though yeah it takes a lot of time
1: time consuming, but, but less, but less demanding. So for me personally, it's yeah. usually like mornings are reserved for, for maker time, you know, and then the other stuff look like in the afternoons or later in the day, but that, that's personal. Yeah.
0: Yeah, no, that's right. I mean, that is, it's certainly something that, that I, I sort of struggle with. And I'm sure that's the case, like with a lot of people is, is that idea of, you know, splitting up, you know, being able to you know split up your time when you're sort of in the midst of you know all the chaos and actually and and sort of being, I guessing I, I guess having partially the discipline then to make sure then you stick to that um, despite other things sort of happening in in the background or that you know things that demand your time, which I suppose like you can't avoid some things like you just you just have to and then you know be flexible enough to shuffle things around, but yeah, I mean that's I. I'd be interested to know your thoughts too on, on then, um, you know, when you're talking to people about um, all the various things that comprise how you're going to assist them and say uh, the messaging like the sales messaging that you're going to be um, uh, having across the board, how integrated or, or like if, if at all, do you get with, um, with the brand like in terms of you know if somebody's got an established really you know pretty strict um, set of brand guidelines around the sort of language will you like how how much do you get involved in then talking with them about how that needs to be integrated
1: yeah, it's a really good question and, and it, it's changed uh, through through time and I think there was a time when we were much more brand focused and we would sort of get really differentiators and sell kind of like brand first and that, that used to work for a while and then over time it's just started to decline in its effectiveness and I think that there are exceptions. Where it tends to work really well is when our clients are really well differentiated or specialized and there's different ways that plays out. Sometimes it's because they have a really, you know, cool uh, piece of technology or something that's new. Um, sometimes it's because they focus on one to a few similar verticals, and people go on the site and they're like, "Oh my god, you know, this is the agency for me." And we're kind of like that for our for our market in a way. But I think by and large, for most of our clients, where things are heading is more about personal relationship building, you know, more more connecting on an individual level as opposed to an account level. And then once we can get them in, then nine times out of 10 what's happening is the person saying, so, you know, tell me what you do. Let me see how I can help. Either, you know, they're, they're able to, either we're getting in with the right person right away or we're getting in with somebody that's peripheral to the right people and they're getting a referral. And then they can work their magic and do what they what they normally do. Um, I think things are trending more towards the latter approach for most agencies. So that's kind of what we're doing right now.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think that's a, it's it's a really good point because that's never um, that's never not been the case, really, has it? Like it's been, it's always been the case. Like it's it's that you know people like dealing with with people, whether that's like the first first person you talk to on. When you're calling up and you say, hey, I need, uh, I need a new website and you're talking to somebody for the first time or you're having that first conversation, like the brand is, is still, you know, there's that importance about how you want to universally present, you know, your brand to the world. But then when it comes down to one-to-one level, it's just a person talking to a person.
1: Exactly. I I think that that's that's uh, timeless. I think the thing that's changed, and it's not like it just changed like overnight, but I think it started to to creep up to affect you know how we approach outreach. Is is that there's just a lot more agencies out there, yeah, Uh, right? And the world's gotten flatter. You know, communication's gotten easier, so that that's another factor. That's so I think with that, it's getting harder to differentiate from an account level, from a business pitch level, right? So it's yeah. going to, the, the personal connection thing is going to, you know, continue to, um, to be effective. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think, but in, instead of saying that too, I would probably also um, also make the point, this is probably just from personal experience. I don't know. This isn't, isn't um, certainly something that I, I think is probably true across the board, uh, across the board, but we've, found numerous times that at the same time as there are you know there's a lot more competition like you're saying there's a lot more agencies but one thing that does you know help uh stand out probably even easier is i think that with the advent of more it it kind of in one respects make it makes it easier to to stand out if your service is that a little bit more personalized because I suppose to some extent it's a numbers game is that the more you have with anything, the more you're going to have of good and bad experiences. But there's, if, if things are faster and bigger and, and more that I've found in, in general, this isn't just in, in, in um, our industry too. It's just with, I mean, looking for a carpenter or like looking for other things as, there's more competition and you stumble across finally somebody who is just going to be like a little patient and spend a bit of time and is friendly. It stands out more because you've already gone through like eight people, you know, to try to find something in, in some instances. And so the one you finally come across actually stands out more because like you've had this really big contrast,
1: yeah. That, the, the experience of, of working with an agency and, and all those things that are, you know, ephemeral um, are, are super important and like absolutely matter to a huge degree. I think the thing that's that's tougher is getting to a place where people get to it's all those good things, you know, where yeah, you know, we're, we're, we're in a situation now. We just interviewed uh, a marketing leader at Polaris, publicly traded us, but it's a pretty small. Thing, and she was describing managing uh, 50 agencies across the whole organization. Um, you know, the challenge then becomes a keeping top of mind, and then specialized they can figure out. Okay, this agency solves this particular problem. You know, this this is this agency this issue, as opposed to we do everything you know we can help you with anything and everything that that becomes really hard to make work these days so th- so yeah i d- definitely agree i just think it's the, the harder thing is getting to that point you know where they get to experience all that you know. yeah yeah
0: very true yeah i mean that's the, there's those those really simple practical things like actually answering the phone you now sounds stupid but it's true right you know it's like mm-hmm. you know it's just a uh, yeah you know, i i and I'm not, I'm specifically speaking about our industry. I'm actually, I'm sort of thinking about other industries (laughs) more specifically, sort of trying to find, um, I mean, people, but, but that's, you know, it comes back, I suppose to, uh, I guess to some extent, a culture in an industry because industries do have like, there's obviously cultures inside businesses, but sometimes you find, I mean, I don't know what you think, but, um, there's a, a certain culture in a certain industry about you know what you should you know how you respond to people, and it sort of flows across you know through to other people magically somehow, and they and they all then seem to be doing it.
1: Yeah, yeah, and this is something I've, I've talked a lot about. I think that the the agency world is kind of, is kind of like in this weird spot where. Um, there was a situation, you know, for for generations, right? And you can, you can see this if you watch Mad Men, where, where basically like there's there was an account that would stick with uh, with an agency for forever. You know, you'd win an account, and then they would be with you for a long time. And that, and I'm not saying that we're still stuck in like the Mad Men era. Like obviously things have changed, but I still think there's a different approach to, to new business that is a little bit. um, a little bit, a little bit more complacent, you know, a little bit more focused on the, the, the client should, you know, respect me, respect my ideas. It, it tends to sometimes be a little bit self-centered where it's sort of like, here's our portfolio, here's how awesome we are, but it's not really like ever, it's really focused on the second person. It's really like, here's, here's what you're up against. Um, here's the problem we can solve and so on. So I think that, that, you know, things have changed. Um, and, the brand there's a lot more agencies so that means the brands have a lot more to pick from they have a lot more optionality but the agencies haven't really adjusted to that they're still kind of operating under this this idea that we're just going to do good work and then the work's going to come to us and that's still true i mean that's not untrue if you do good work you're going to get referrals but it may not be you know quite enough anymore so i think that's that's kind of what we've observed anyway
0: yeah yeah with the um the competitive um sort of landscape i suppose but there's that attitude I guess too, of, 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 I mean, the artist, you know, as, as that, you know, that you're, you know, that, which is, which is, um, yeah. I mean, it can just be really annoying, you know, for people, you know, to sort of um, come across when they just want some stuff done and they just really like, you know, if, if it was, if it was me, I mean, I'm, I'm a consumer like we all are. If I want, Um, someone to help me out with something ultimately I just at at a very simple level I don't want much more than um, a good job done you know a fair price and you know friendly service I don't you know I don't have very high expectations and I, I think I probably fall into like what most people would like you know they just want simple they want something done they've just take on the time to, you know, to call up. Most people don't want, you know, too much pomp and ceremony
1: about it. Right. Well, I mean, it depends on, on your goal as, as an agency and kind of where, where you're looking to fit in. But I, I think that this whole thing that like artists can't be hustlers, uh, I'm not sure if I agree with it. Like you have, you know, my David Bowie invented invented a new form of say of bond, right? He invented the Bowie bond. He got he got his his patrons to fund his future work, uh, and, and I think that there's there's a lot of opportunities for creatives, you know, to yeah. to kind of get out there and go go win business. I just don't know if you can have it both ways. I don't know if you can be in this kind of you know reactive mode and then also be upset when there's there's not enough in the pipeline, right? So <laughs> yeah. it takes it takes a balance, I guess.
0: Oh yeah, well you can, but it's probably not going to work out, right?
1: So, yeah, exactly. Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, you can. So, um, so say if we're just like I'm circling back to the um, uh, the general topic too about the evolution of sales and lead gen. What, uh, like, say from a technical point of view, outside of the personal and the human kind of things that we've been speaking about, what what kind of things have you, have you seen or that you use, you know, um, talking to agencies about like just, just good tools that actually make people's lives easier.
1: Yeah. It's, it's a good question. I wish I had more, more like, well, it's a big, it's a big, but let me- pretty big questions.
0: <laughs> Sorry. In advance. Cause it's a, um, yeah, I guess, you know, things yeah, I think,
1: yeah. yeah. So, I'm I'm a big believer in, in having um, CRS that that everybody can understand easily and th- that's simple. So I think for for our world, it's all about the CRM, and I think the better thing is to think about like where you use different tools. And for for us, I th- I think that you can make things fancier than they are. But when I think about a CRM, and if somebody's starting fresh, I think this is the right way to think about it. The CRM is for when you have a relationship with somebody. There's customer relationship management, right? So if there's not a relationship yet, they're not in there. And and that doesn't just mean you've contacted them or maybe they've clicked something like that's not a relationship in my, in my book. That's, they've, they know about you. Maybe a relationship is some sort of interaction. So maybe you've gotten on the phone, you've at least had an email in or worth individual non-automated attention, right? So once somebody's left the uh, the places where other people are coming from, maybe that's, you know, an outbound email campaign over here. Maybe it's Google ads over there. Maybe it's a webinar over here and you have that relationship, then they can go into the CRM. There's exceptions to that. You know, you might have a CRM that's really fancy and does other things, but I think that that's the right way to think about it first. So as opposed to thinking about this tool or that tool, it's better to think about what's simple um, and what you can actually use. Beyond that, you know, I've had clients use spreadsheets that I think use them more effectively than ninety percent of the tools out there. So it really depends. Um for us personally, we I I like to use Streak as it lives in Gmail. Um so if you're in the G Suite interface. All right, there is like anything, there's pros and cons. Yeah.
0: Oh, sorry, you dropped out a little bit there. Sorry, oh. our, our the internet um, is, uh, is, I'm sort of slowing down a bit, but that's all right. Um, yeah, no, I think that's a, it's, it's a really, I mean, a valid point. And I think it just gets back to um, some of the other things we were saying about, you know, uh, at the heart of it, I guess ideas come first, you know, that you've got a, the ideas around what you're going to do and how you're going to do it come first and then the tools, I mean, come second after that you you know you don't uh, the tools aren't aren't a end in themselves you know they're just there i mean ultimately to do you know to um roll something out or to assist with you know a a relationship i think that's a really good point about i mean crms and that's it's like it's it's sort of something that that does get to the heart of like all those all those points we've been talking about um, so, I guess, as we're sort of nearing the end of of the podcast, I'm going to ask you, Dan, for a relevant quote or something that that you that you like that you feel um, doesn't have to be relevant but something that you just like to share.
1: Yeah, it's it's a little bit of a cliche quote, but I, I keep coming back to it in my head, and it's basically you know the, and I forget I just had the person's name, I can Google it real quick, but, uh, but the future is here. It's just not evenly distributed, right? And I think that I, I keep seeing that more and more, and, and you know, just kind of observing it. And I think that a lot of the times, it, it, it involves everything we're talking about. A lot of the times, it's kind of figuring out like what's actually working even if it's not necessarily right in my little part of the woods, you know, even if it's going on on the other side of the hill, um, chances are the solution is something that that is working and has worked as opposed to like the next new thing. Um, there's exceptions to that, obviously. Um, I'm sure that if I was Elon Musk, uh, that wouldn't be the best mantra for me. <laughs> but I think for most agencies, it's it's something to think about, yeah.
0: Yeah, it's really true, yeah. It, it and yeah, I guess I I find a bit of a conundrum in in that too. Whilst I I like straight away, yeah, hundred percent. But then there's a the point where, well, yeah, some new things do do add value, but take them with a grain of salt, I suppose, is um is probably a wise thing to say. <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly. Yeah, we would definitely agree.
0: Um, so. I'll also get you, if you wouldn't mind, could you just share with everyone um, the best way for people to get in touch um, where they can find you online as well?
1: Yeah, for sure. So our our website is uh, salesschema.com. So sales and sales schemas and schematic, S-C-H-E-M-A. And then email is the best way for me. And that's just Dan, D-A-N, at salesschema.com. Thanks, Dan. Thanks so much for being on the podcast. It's been a real pleasure. Thanks for having me, Saul. I appreciate you getting up early for us uh, paying the ass Americans. (laughs) No, that's okay. No, and so with that in mind, that's
0: actually it for today, guys. Thanks so much for listening into our podcast yet again. Before we go, please leave your feedback as well as any suggestions for topics you would like us to, to discuss in future episodes. Thanks again for listening to the Grow Your Business podcast and we'll see you again soon. Bye, guys. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode of Grow Your Business. Have a great day and we'll see you next time here at the Grow Your Business podcast.